Welcome to the Frontline Podcast, brought to you in association with the Atler Group. Atler Group is a collaboration of businesses with a collective history of over 130 years, bringing financial solution to its clients in the world of accountancy, audit, advisory, fiduciary and retirement benefit solutions. Visit atler.im today. On the Frontline Podcast, we chat to leaders in business and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their in-depth and bite-sized opinions that will add value to you and your mind. You mentioned risks in the conversation there. Let's go back to hacks. Obviously, that's, again, I suppose you, you read mainstream media and that will be a concern for anyone. How do how do you guys at Coin Corner manage that with the cold wallet aspects and just maybe talk to our listeners about how that ultimately their, their assets are protected because that's obviously important for anyone, whether it's yeah. in Bitcoin or fiat or whatever. Of course, yeah. I think um, just before I get into that side of it, I think we one of the things we do encourage is um, touching on similar to with the El Salvador side and the Tonga side is self-custody and self-sovereignty. So it's like taking, you can be your own bank effectively with Bitcoin. So... <clears throat> And I do appreciate, you know, I'm not naive or stupid enough to think that the whole world's going to control and run their own Bitcoin wallet because people don't want that responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> if they've got yeah. a couple of hundred grand sat there in their wallet, they've got a home, they might not trust it and want it. So they want to leave it with an exchange like us, which is effectively like leaving your money with a bank. Um, so that will happen naturally. And um, But we do help, we do hope over time to encourage more and more people to look after it themselves so it's not held with a third party like ourselves. Um, because as you say, there is hacks out there that happen and so on and people lose money. Um, the way we've handled it, I guess, over the years, um, we've, we're a small company, obviously, um, and we've kind of, um, well, still a smallish company. Um, we've always um, kept or we keep uh, generally 99, 100% of the client funds effectively off in cold storage. Uh, so that can't really be hacked and attacked from a remote perspective. Um, so, that's something that most exchanges generally do do and when you're hearing about the hacks of these exchanges going back sort of five years let's say historically they were more like um compromising a hot wallet and the hot wallet is a hot wallet is a wallet that's can be any cryptocurrency wallet on an actual web server somewhere but you need every exchange needs one of them to be able to send and receive funds for the clients on their behalf yeah Yeah, effectively Um, and what we found, I think a lot of the exchanges back in five years ago plus, they were just holding all of the funds in that wallet. And that's where you saw all these hacks happening for hundreds of millions of dollars. It was, they were doing it um, in a manner they should not have been doing it really. They should have had, you know, 99% of that in cold storage and just had a float effectively a small amount that they can, that they're happy to take the risk on um, for the most part. You kind of and think that, it's a bit bonkers if you think, I mean, work in business and you have a flow, don't you, for petty cash yeah. in a business that that wouldn't be a thought process back then. But I guess these are two worlds of, well, I suppose the the, disrupt, the, the that's new tech and maybe new people in that arena are then moving into a sector of business that's well-established that knows how to manage risk maybe, but also is getting stifled by that, I think, in certain aspects as well, that you'd mm-hmm. have thought that would be a thought process, but I guess it's just the evolution of time. Yeah, I think as well, it's a, it was an early industry back then, and some of the people running these companies were mm-hmm. um, guys in the bedrooms, and not disrespect to the guys, I was a guy in a garage at one point doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think then it's then how serious the, the, the staff and the team take it, I think, a lot of the time. And we saw, um, I think over the years, that generally starts to be cleaned up, and the ones standing today and remaining are generally much better quality um and the 
generally the hacks around the way I'm talking about there, hundreds of millions from a hot wallet. It's it's more it's rarer now than it used to be um, because people are putting proper practices in place and, and doing things correctly. Um, so that's great. The the more so the hacks that you see more recently over the recent years are actually less hot wallet stuff and, and that side of things. It's more. Um, I think one of the recent ones. Uh, it was actually a Binance, I think, and that was a uh, smart contracts one, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, the glitching or but, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So the smart contracts now are brand new still technology. There's still things going on. There's bugs, there's glitches that go wrong with them. People are then just exploiting a bug within a smart contract and being able to like drain a wallet effectively. Um, so they haven't necessarily um, compromised the remote server that the wallet's running on, but they've been able to, due to the protocol and the way it's been built, they've been able to manipulate something and, and create... Um, an opportunity there to, to drain yeah, them funds, yeah, yeah. Uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, and then obviously an argument for that is, well, the protocol let me do that, so they've done nothing wrong. And <laughs> it's kind of like, if the protocol lets you do it, uh, but that's again because these technologies are brand new and this is all on more the smart contract platform ones and, and that side, and um, they are still new and still growing and they'll, they're not battle-tested yet as, as such, um, and they'll take more years to, to iron out. So we'll start to see that, I think, fade away as well over the next sort of five to yeah, 10 years. Right. Um, as we've seen with the, the hot wallets over the last five to ten years. So we talk about risk as well. You're regulated on the Alamant as a business. Uh, again, I don't know whether you're one of the first in that space to get regulated on the Alamant. I assume I know the regulating the Alamant is very pro-digital, mm-hmm. but some digital uh, department nowadays. Uh, how was that experience? Uh, because um, you're trying to, I guess, fit a, a modern business and AML into yeah. a more historic way of running things yeah, should we say yeah an old framework yeah uh, almost as well way it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um so yeah i think we were we were trying to race to be first uh we're not just clara we're not regulated so we can't say no. that well, yeah, <laughs> just sorry. i'm just clarifying yeah, yeah, that yeah, from, yeah. from our perspective um so we are designated business under the, the financial services authority here um uh, we are actually um, hoping to be regulated at some point soon, um, so we would actually be then regulated entity as as we are. Um, back then, um, we were the first ones, or we were the first in kind of UK, Europe side. There was um, one other company, I think it was, then beat us to it by about two weeks, and they got regulated under, I think it was Luxembourg, I think, um, and they did some sort of license there and, and got that. Um, but then we were effectively, yeah, second in the world to fall under any formal obligation for... <clears throat> Um, under a, a financial regulator, effectively, um, which was under anti-money laundering side, POCA, uh, Proceeds of Crime Act. Um, that whole experience, I think, was uh, it was a bit of an eye-opener, I think, because still a, a young entrepreneur at the time and trying to start this business, and then all of a sudden this business has gone from a cool tech, fun thing to I've got regulations to deal with <laughs> and, and uh, all sorts of things to, to read and read up on and understand. Um, you know, it's not my area of expertise, but um, at that point in the business, you just have no choice but to, you do put all hats on and you do everything. Um, so we all, all co-founders all did everything effectively. And we, we did reading regulations, we did dealing with banks, we did um, understanding tech and the community and even customer support. And, you know, you do everything. Um, so the regulation there at that point, the Alaman um, FSA were, were good. They were pro it. They were, um, I guess their angle was seeing the e-gaming industry take off for the Alaman and it was a great sector for them. Uh, they were looking for a new sector, a new industry. Um, Bitcoin kind of became that initially. It was a, touched on earlier on about the um, conference back in 2014. Uh, that was great. And the conference was actually a really good conference. Um, but And there was a lot of people, but obviously the banking kind of killed it, unfortunately. Um, 
but what we got in place there was good. We got um, the say under the pocker back in 2016, I think that was uh, 2015, 16 time, <clears throat> um, and eventually the designated business act uh, was it pocker 2015, designated business in 2016. My dates are blurring, <laughs> but I think around that. Um, so it gave us a little bit of credibility. You know, we hoped originally as well that once we got fell under that, um, we would end up getting more access to banking facilities yeah. uh, UK. At that time, we were still banking um, in Europe. Gym, international. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and even then, we we actually we ended up with a bank in Latvia. Um, and after we got the designated business status, we got inspected and we got a report and so on. We, we went to this um, bank in Latvia that we were talking to, trying to get just a normal international bank account. And even these were one of the only ones that would deal with us at the time as well. And even them, they were still being on the designated business, still sketchy, didn't know what to make of us. Um, eventually, they actually flew over to the Alaman to come and inspect us themselves. So they spent two days with us um, inspecting us just to give us a bank account, okay. um, which was ridiculous. But it was, it was good. It was great for us because we got the bank account that we needed and, and so on. Um, Still, UK it gets, banks. They're obviously serious as well, so I guess a two-way yeah. thing, isn't it? It was, yeah. It was nice, to, nice to meet them face to face, and yeah, we got a good relationship with them from that point, um, and still do to this day. So it's good. Um, and UK banking, yeah, was just a, still a nightmare. So it didn't help anything in that respect in terms of UK banking. Uh, UK banking really only only eased up um, two two or three years ago ish when. Uh, Clear Bank and the the new Clearing Bank in the UK came around, and a couple of others now have cropped up. So um, that's kind of disrupted the banking yeah. sector, and we're seeing challenger banks kicking off now, and um, the Clearing Banks historically, which were your, your big uh, six or sevens, HSBC, Barclays, Lloyd's, all that side, um, they kind of had a, a cartel of yeah, such yeah, and yeah. Uh, had control of who could do what. Um, that's kind of breaking up a little bit. Read now. The stories used to help the cartel, but that's yeah. a story for another podcast for another day. <laughs> Uh, maybe slightly pivot I, I, because uh, I don't know whether it's necessarily interlinked and we chatted a bit before we came on air just about uh, censorship and whether I appreciate it's not a Bitcoin specific question or particularly around the business but Web3 again we talk about being part of part of the general dialogue that's going on at the moment and, and censorship uh, it's certainly something the censorship's got and that's why I love doing the podcast because I think people can talk, hopefully f- talk freely uh, of their views. It doesn't mean they're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a in a world where again, there's certainly large social media companies that control that. I guess in the banking world, it was it was the case. Is that something you see quite a bit of interaction in in the space you're in? And again, they, I guess provides challenges, especially if there is censorship around content, whether it's negative. Well, I guess a lot of the time it's negative, or just not being able to get it out there, even. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I think our industry yeah, is, is, you know, Bitcoin is censorship, censorship resistant money. Um, and that's a kind of a, a key fundamental for Bitcoin and what it is. So that the industry as a whole is very uh, pro censorship resistance. Um, so when there is censorship, obviously, you do see a lot of kickoff within our industry and the communities. Uh, we saw that um, we've always seen that heavily on uh, platforms such as Reddit and things like that. And even that's at a, a smaller level where you have subreddits or sub communities effectively where you can go on and post things and there's administrators on there and the administrators started censoring certain things and people didn't like that and then they created other, other subreddits and so on and so on. Um, so we saw it even at a small level. This was like back in 2014, 15 times. <clears throat> um, then more recently, I think with media, um, Twitter is a, a big place for our industry at the minute. That's where everyone kind of uh, gathers generally and all the news kicks off on there. 
And I think, yeah, as we've seen recently, Twitter is... Um, I mean, they censored uh, Donald Trump at one point uh, yeah. when he was in, in power as a president. And um, you can't really... It is, it's, it's wrong, I guess, for the most part. But I think what we, again, we touched on um, pre-recording today was um, where's the, the balancing act? There is a balancing act and where's the line mm. with this? Because um, you can go... You have to censor in some respects, and I, I appreciate that. Um, but censoring for freedom of speech, I guess, and, and just saying things that you believe in or you believe are factual um, and being censored for that is, is one thing. And whether it's posting things that are illegal, then okay, fair enough, censor. Um, I think the Web3 direction, um, actually just on, on the Twitter thing, I know we've seen seen that a lot in our industry, people being censored. Uh, I've actually been censored a few times now okay. on Twitter um, because- be Tweets getting pulled. Yeah, they, they get um, kind of like shadow banned effectively. Um, so it, effectively you can put a tweet out and people will see it and people interact and you'll get the interaction. Um, sometimes I, I know what it is when I put it out, um, which is one of the articles that we wrote, which was a Bitcoin energy usage uh, article. And when I put that out, I've had literally no interaction and no views on the tweet and it's effectively get shadow banned so nobody can nobody's really seen it in their timelines. It's getting hidden from people's timelines. Um, and do you think that, is that AI doing that? I assume it's just, yeah, because I'm linking to... Outside of, obviously, the content, but the content, the AI is picking up the content saying, we don't like this type of content. Yeah, I think it's just an automated algorithm, yeah, yeah basically yeah. picking it up. So it's a, a third-party link that I'm linking to, talking about Bitcoin energy usage around the world and that. So it's, again, it's meant to be a factual piece of information. There's a, a research paper we kind of did uh, within Coin Corner. Um, however, their algorithms have assumed it up and said, we can't prove this is factual, so we're going to censor it and oh, hide it okay. um so <clears throat> we have managed to get that out there a little bit more to people um but it is every time i tweet that article i seem to get censored for about 12 hours nobody really seems to see my tweets in their feed and then right. it slowly comes back in afterwards um so yeah i'm even noticing that on small so level. it's really interesting i'm sure the algorithms aren't bothered about me but i put a post on linkedin about censorship and asked people to vote and i got next to no inter- and i'm don't get me wrong i've got thousands of but people interact with me on linkedin and this just got no traction but it talks about censorship and mentioning large social media platforms and not saying, not, uh, what's the right word? Not, uh, wasn't bashing them. It was just, Mm. do you feel a censorship out there? And yeah, yeah, it got no traction, so. Yeah, Yeah, I think it is. I think it'll be key words and key things that they pick up on their algorithms or catch and and sort of whether they push them for manual review and then somebody will manual review it and say, okay, yeah, let people see it or hide it, yeah. Um, we got, I think, I actually got caught as well during. I don't remember the Twitter hack back in, like, coming up to two years ago now. Um, and a couple of guys managed to gain access to Twitter, and they started jumping on celebrity oh, okay. profiles and saying, "Send me Bitcoin, and I'll send you some back." And um, the because they some people sent Bitcoin into it, we was able to. It's all public blockchain, so you can see where the transactions are going and what's moving. Um, and I was actually analysing that movement at the time. So I ended up tweeting a little bit of a thing about where, where it's going, what's happening. And my tweets got removed in the end because I was including information that then oh, okay. uh, the FBI and so on were actually oh, okay. trying to make use of to uh, <laughs> these things with it. So my, I Wait couldn't- for your door to be knocked out. I then couldn't, yeah. My tweets got removed and then we found out that if you try to tweet the addresses that were involved in this, um, what had happened in, in the hack, uh, you couldn't actually do the tweet because it just kept removing the the address, oh. the Bitcoin address for it. Uh, so they then censored the Bitcoin addresses themselves and the transaction IDs, and they censored everything. So, um, yeah. Do you see a fix for that for censorship? <clears throat> there's people working on that. So there's things like uh, Twitter, for example, is 
um, there's a couple of people working in our industry that have decentralized Twitter, so they've made it into like Getter. Built, yeah, yeah. There was Getter. There was um, Nostra, I think, was another one mm-hmm. recently, um, and they're building that on um, Bitcoin's layer two on Lightning, uh, and that's allowing you to when you make like a lightning transaction which is kind of like a bitcoin transaction it's making a tweet for you effectively let's call it that um so you can put that out there and anybody can receive it and view it and you can display that on any website in the world could effectively start displaying this information in what would be looking like a twitter feed um so it starts being there's no central point to block your tweets effectively um, so it's in a decentralized manner um obviously the downside of that is nobody's going to be able to block anything. You can put anything you want on and you can put illegal things on and so on and so on. So I think there's going to be a fine balancing act there, as I touched mm-hmm. on before, in terms of um, how censorship resistant works out. Um, it'll be, I'm sure, different across every country. Um, you know, you can go on, theoretically, you could probably go on dark markets and the, the dark net and um, post what you want and no one's going to censor it. Um, mm. But you know, we most you know ninety nine percent of the people out there don't ever go on it and don't bother with it. Um, so it's still, even though there's there's a space there to go and you will never be censored, um, nobody's really using it, and making use of it. So I think the censorship, you know, is unfortunate could be here long term. Um, do, do you think this? I, I don't know whether I've, someone's mentioned to me before around uh, creating the community style where you vote and the the community decides whether someone's sensitive. So if you post some racial hatred that then. <laughs> Obviously, people are going to dislike it within a certain period of time. Then, then it's wiped, and then the community becomes the censored people. And then, as a society, we kind of weed out. To me, that seems quite a, a quite a, a logical approach yeah. of doing it. I appreciate there's content out there initially, but ultimately, if the masses are suppressing it, then we fix our own problems. Yeah, I think that's kind of similar to how Reddit works, I guess, in some oh, respects, right, okay. where Reddit is an upvote downvote system. Okay. Um, so the the community will vote up for posts they like and things that they think are factual or whatever and anything that's um, incorrect or they don't like obviously they're getting downvoted and they disappear out of the feed so they, oh, okay. they disappear right. um, <clears throat> so Reddit's been doing that for 15, 20 oh, okay. years or whatever they've been right. doing it for so they are doing that and they've been doing it but not necessarily you're not really the post is still even if everybody you know 20,000 people disliked it yeah it doesn't disappear yeah, it yeah. stays there but it's just down at the bottom of the yeah, feed yeah the algorithms push right. it down yeah right yeah so I think there, there is them out there however Reddit is still a company and they have been known to remove things so there could be a post that 20,000 people have upvoted and everyone loves it but then Reddit decides to take it down because it's crossing yeah, the line right. or something so there's still censorship um, in there in some respects um, so yeah coming away from that into a decentralised way for me would also need to be decentralized and have that community vote in some mm-hmm. way or some mechanism like you're saying there to allow for a form of censorship but in a uh, a group decision yeah, group like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry I know we've been going but uh, it's really interesting chat a few more bits to cover corn corner carbon neutral Talk to me a little bit about that, what you're trying to do there. Yep, um, that was off the back of the article I keep getting censored for. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we, uh, Bitcoin using lots of energy and all this side of things, and it, don't get me wrong, it uses lots of energy. Um, in my personal opinion, it doesn't use enough energy. Um, that's probably a different controversial right. topic okay. for a different day. Um, <clears throat> uh, I guess I'll, people listen, I'll give a very quick overview of that, of why that is and what, what happens there. But Bitcoin um, uses energy for mining, uh, the mining um, confirms transactions and puts transactions onto the blockchain. Let's keep it simple. Um, the process to do that requires energy and miners and um, computer hardware. 
the more mining there is, the more difficult it gets. So more miners come on board. So you, you basically end up with snowball effects and you've got a lot of miners out there now. I think we're at about um, 1% or just under 1% of the world's energy electricity usage is Bitcoin mining. Um, and okay, it sounds like a lot. Um, however, we are now at roughly about 60% of that is actually renewable energy. So it's mm-hmm. not using coal and um, all the sort of the bad stuff. It's using renewable energy. So I've, I guess what the way I was trying to flip it around on people a lot of the time, uh, the, the mining as well, sorry, the energy usage is the security aspect of it. There's The reason the energy is being used is um, to prevent an attack on Bitcoin and it's distributed around the whole world. Um, there's so much energy being used that um, most countries around the world don't have enough electricity um, to be able to even attack Bitcoin, even if they had the mining machines. It's just, it's not feasible to attack Bitcoin, basically, which means Bitcoin is strong and the foundation of it is strong. Um, I think there's maybe 26 countries, I think, around the world that have the energy capacity, effectively, to theoretically do a 51% attack on Bitcoin. 51% attack is to attack it and take over the um, the blockchain, effectively, and record transactions that are not real. Um, at a high level, uh, tech is listening, I'll be like, that's a terrible, <laughs> terrible description of it. Um, but um, the energy usage there, so that means that the for me, once we get beyond them countries and then nobody no country in the world could turn around and try and attack bitcoin in in the way to destroy it effectively so that's why i'm saying bitcoin doesn't use enough energy once it gets to a point where there's only a handful of countries around the world can attack it then we're in a position of Mm -hmm. this is a really genuinely decentralized censorship resistant um, piece of technology that can't be disrupted and can't be attacked Um, so that's why i want more more energy used i want more clean energy so Mm -hmm. it's that angle there's not really any other industries in the world that do that run on sixty percent renewable energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so people that gets lost in the story, but I assume exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so people are it's kind of a don't throw stones if you live in a glass house style. You know, people are attacking Bitcoin for using all this energy, not thinking about what they do in everyday life. Um, and yeah. the article came about. The article we wrote, um, myself and another colleague. Um, was all based around actually taking all stats, all data, all the information we had out there around the world um, about how much energy usage Bitcoin uses, how much energy usage um, we use in everyday life. And we compared it to things like drinking a glass of orange juice. So with Bitcoin and, and Lightning Networks, Bitcoin payments, for example, you could do 11 transactions for the same energy use as you can, or the same carbon output as you can for one glass of orange juice. Mm-hmm. So everybody's complaining about Bitcoin being used, yet they're going to the fridge and getting a glass of orange juice every day. And yeah. um, we did all these comparisons around, um, you know, manufacturing. Uh, Tesla was actually a very negative one as well. Tesla, the electric cars and trying to be all this uh, environmentally environmentally friendly, but they're actually very bad for the environment and they produce more carbon output than most normal cars do um, over the lifetime as well. Because obviously these the lithium battery issue that um, the mining and the um, actual manufacturing of the car. Uh, I think I can't remember the exact exact numbers and the stats, but the manufacturing of one Tesla car was like hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin transactions, and um, it's just the that's just the manufacturing of it. Obviously, then the electricity being so the charge for the tesla car um has to come from somewhere and most of that still is coming from coal powered and and sort of not renewable energy um so we're in a scenario where great you've created an electric car and it sounds like it's all environmentally friendly but that battery has to be charged from energy somewhere so would your view on what musk is saying in regard to not now not accepting bitcoin the energy cost is just 
your view would be contradicting himself completely yeah yeah he's yeah. He's, he's, he what he's doing he's uh, purposely ignoring certain facts i guess uh looking the other way on certain things um he what is going through his head in, in a lot of the time of what he's doing is is absolutely ridiculous uh it's just um not really <clears throat> it seems like it's hard because everyone says you know he's a clever guy and he's built all these companies and so on and so on um and all credit to him he has and he's where he is now um richest man in the world flicking up and down i think um but he's purposely ignoring actual facts of numbers of things um he accepted Bitcoin payments, then took them off because it was using too much um, energy. Then there was a, a, what came off the back of that was a Bitcoin mining council, uh, which is like a kind of a global uh, conglomerate of um, mining companies that came together to say, right, well, we'll all provide our data and tell you how much is renewable and how much is not. The benefit of Bitcoin mining around the world, you can go and mine anywhere in the world. You don't have to be like, you know, electricity sources at the minute have to be, say with London and a big city, you need the electricity and the energy close by and you need to be able to source it as and when it's needed. Bitcoin mining, you could put in a rainforest somewhere. It doesn't need to be near anyone. It can be literally in the middle of nowhere. As long as there's an energy source, then it works and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, a massive benefit to Bitcoin mining where you can go and make use of the abundant elect- energy and electricity that we can be generated in places that you wouldn't have towns yeah, and so cities. There's, not, there's an argument, it's, dr- it's driving the, the thought process around renewables. You mentioned about the volcano is, earlier. Yeah, that exactly. I couldn't imagine 10 years ago, I could be wrong, but the thought is let's try and use a volcano to create energy. Yeah, and you wouldn't build a town under a volcano, yeah, So, yeah. but you can go and put a mining set up there and obviously still health and safety issues and all that side, but you, you can do that. Um, Iceland with the geothermal energy and, and that side, there's um, so much energy out there that is not being utilised and Bitcoin mining is just utilising that energy. Um, there's actually there's so many stats out there that you just look at the stats and you can see it's it's not a bad thing. There's more energy wasted around the world. There's about a hundred times more energy. I can't remember the numbers exactly. Hundred times more energy wasted every year because you can't store it um, than Bitcoin mining uses. Um, so we're talking and complaining. People are complaining about the usage of Bitcoin energy and electricity, but the amount wasted every year because we can't store it in a battery and in some uh, good respects is a ridiculous amount bigger yeah. than what the Bitcoin mining is using. Um, and no one complains about that. Why are we not complaining about that? Why are we not complaining about everyone gaming and everyone on the internet and on the devices and everyone driving a car and, and so Downloading on? podcasts. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're complaining about things because... Why do you think Bitcoin, that is? I mean, is that a human nature? Trans- I think, yeah, human nature a little bit to, to point fingers at other places and um, it's just people jump on the bandwagon for some, some part of it, I think. Um, and agendas, I think, definitely is, is a big part of that, and different agendas. Uh, I think the the big the big target, and I guess Bitcoin puts a, t- a, ba- a target on its back, is because it's so transparent. Mm-hmm. Other industries, you can't go and get the energy usage of an industry without going to the companies and gathering all this data and everything. Bitcoin mining is transparent. Everybody can see it. It's dead easy to look at, and it's dead easy to then calculate an, an estimate of what the, the energy usage is. Um, there's no other industry out there in the world that you can do that with. Mm-hmm. So it, it puts a target on its back because it's so transparent. Um, and yet we're still at 60% renewable and people are still attacking it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole globe is just for people listening as well. The whole globe is at about, I think, 11% average renewable energy um, in terms of across everything. Yet Bitcoin's at 60%, 60 yeah. and we're complaining about that. So <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. I'll go back to the comment earlier about the, I guess, frustration at times with the industry you're in and kind of feel like you're pushing water uphill yeah. at times. Yeah, so bad. Media, again, it's media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Great. Thanks for coming in, Danny. Much appreciated. Really insightful. Hopefully we'll be able to catch up again sometime because there's about 10 other things on the list I didn't get around <laughs> to talking about. So thanks for yeah. joining us. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>